What does it take to run a penetration testing or pen test team? Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group, and I'm speaking with Chris Rolf, who runs the pen test team at Yahoo. Chris, thanks for joining me. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Chris, you've worked as a security researcher and engineer at a number of organizations, including the U.S. Department of Defense. Now you're in charge of pen testing at Yahoo. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of what that role and your specific responsibilities entail? Sure. So my role at Yahoo is to, first and foremost, manage and run the penetration testing slash red team. And there's six of us total. And our mandate is basically to break as many things as we can. Right? It's to be the offense and find as many security vulnerabilities inside of Yahoo before attackers can find and exploit them to gain access to our systems. And the primary reason for this role existing is because you can't grade your own homework. And I'm stealing a quote there from Mika Zenko in his latest Red Team book, but I think that that captures it very, very well. We do a lot of things to keep attackers out, but at the end of the day, the only way to test how good of a job we're doing is to unleash somewhat of a friendly offense against ourselves. So when you were a kid in school, did you say to yourself, I want to be a penetration testing expert? Or how did you get to this point where you're getting paid in order to break things, which is a job that many, many people in the security industry would covet, I think? Sure. So when I was a kid, this job didn't even exist right? If you did this kind of work back when I was a kid, you probably got threatened with jail time or lawsuits. So the world has changed drastically since then. When I was younger, I was interested in computers, of course, interested in programming. But it wasn't until I was about 18 or 19 that I got interested in the security side of things. And then I started at DoD when I was 20. And that was right around 2003, which is when the security industry was starting to mature a little bit from its earlier roots in the late 90s. So it's changed drastically since then. And of course, I think it's changed for the better because as an industry and as a country, we've taken our heads out of the sand and woken up to these threats and realized that we can't just pretend that they're not real and we can't just threaten people with jail time and hope that it'll all go away. Now, you've discovered some bugs in a number of different types of software. Has that been during work time, free time? How is it that you come across some of these flaws that you've unearthed? So it's both, really. I think most people who work in offense are extremely passionate about what they do, right? It's borderline obsession with finding the next vulnerability. And I've been extremely lucky to actually get paid to do this for a living for the better part of the last decade. So a lot of the things that I've found, I've either been paid to do by my employer or, you know, for about three and a half years, I, I was my own employer. And then, of course, I've done a lot of late nights where I just I couldn't stop until I found that next bug. And I just kept going until I found it. And is this typically through fuzzing, hitting it with unexpected inputs, or will you start mucking about in the code? Or is there a particular technique that you most typically use when you're doing this? I've used lots and lots of techniques over the years. The first fuzzer I ever wrote was way back in 2003. I've done lots of manual source code analysis, and that's kind of my sweet spot and what I enjoy the most. I've spent many, many long hours inside of IDAPRO and other disassemblers looking for vulnerabilities in binaries I didn't have the source code for. So I really think it depends on what the target is. Right? If you're looking at something that's been picked over really, really well, and it's closed source, like your only option is to sit there in IDAPRO and try and find some very, very obscure bug in the disassembly listing. If it's an open source project and you have access to 100% of the source code, then it makes sense to, to open it up in a good IDE and run some automated tools against it to try and find some vulnerabilities. So it's kind of highly dependent on what you're looking at and how many other people have looked at it before you. Let's say you've found a flaw in a Yahoo property or code base. 
What happens then? And I'm asking because I think a lot of organizations could probably sharpen their processes when it comes to this sort of thing. Sure. So we take that extremely seriously. And you know that's the whole reason that me and my team exist at Yahoo is to find those vulnerabilities. And when we find them, we treat them the same way as if someone externally had reported them, right? If we gain arbitrary code execution on an internal system that's sensitive, we treat it as if someone on the outside found that vulnerability and we patch it within 24 hours. So there's nothing really different, drastically different about the process. We use standard tools like Jira and we document the bugs and we try and get them fixed as fast as humanly possible. And that's really the pen testing process. And then the other side of what we do is red teaming, which is a little bit different. And red teaming is more stepping into the shoes of a real attacker and studying what they're capable of and then turning around those tools on us over a period of days or weeks or months and trying to reach an end goal. So in a penetration test, our end goal might be discover one type of vulnerability in a specific Yahoo property or piece of code. But when it comes to red teaming, the goal might be gain access to a certain type of system and maintain persistence on that system for two weeks, all the while trying to backdoor it and come up with some data in the end that will be useful to our incident response team to then go and write new tools for detecting that type of attacker or trying to understand how vulnerable would we be if a real attacker came after us with those same set of tools and techniques. So it sounds like you're really advocating a combination of pen testing and red teaming at Yahoo and by extension, probably most organizations could benefit from that? Absolutely. I think both are necessary. One is sort of the, you know, pen testing is sort of the whack-a-mole, try and kill as many bugs as you can, especially in new code before it goes live. But that red teaming aspect of it, I think is very, very important for increasing the security posture of whatever organization or enterprise you happen to work at. And I think the best way that companies can start doing that is to really start threat modeling and understanding who their likely attackers are and studying what those attackers are capable of, and then either contracting out to an external red team or building one internally to then go and take those tools, techniques, and procedures and turn them against yourself. Because it's really one of the only ways you'll know if those real attackers would be successful or not. Now, you've been in the vulnerability finding space for a while. In recent years, it seems like more organizations are getting savvier about creating channels for researchers such as yourself to give them a heads up. But we still see examples, it seems, every few weeks of researchers being unable to connect with a software developer or a site that they've found a bug associated with. What do you see when you go to report flaws to organizations? Do you think things are improving or is there a long way to go still? I think that that arc is very, very long. But if I compare it to when I first started reporting vulnerabilities, like way back in 2003, 2004, it's certainly improved drastically since then. A lot of the companies back then that may have threatened a legal response now have a bug bounty and will actually write you a check for what you send them. I still think we see sort of a negative or defensive response from some smaller companies or companies that are not necessarily tech savvy, but it is absolutely getting better. And I think kind of the the root problem there is that there's no standardization around it and it's completely within their legal right to respond in that way, sort of. There's nothing saying that they have to pay you, but as we get more and more mature in this process and we start creating regulations and official guidance around it from organizations within the government, I think that the response will get better and better over time. As it is today, I still think if you look at the number of vulnerabilities that are reported, it's only a slim minority that are met with hostility. 
In terms of the pen testing and the red teaming part of your job, if someone wanted to get into that space, is there anything in particular that you'd recommend, except perhaps for maybe a real breadth of experience and skills that they could bring to bear? I think having a computer science background is, first of all, the number one thing you need to have, right? After that, I think it really goes down to the person's mindset and how they think about these problems. It can be kind of hard to wrap your head around trying to figure out how something is broken. Most people are inclined to say, how can I make this thing better or how can I build something? Whereas the attacker mindset is, you know, how can I tear this down and how can I find the flaws in it? So I think it's a combination of technical skill and that mindset of discovering where something is broken. Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. For Information Security Media Group, this is Matthew Schwartz. Thank you for joining us.